Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What's up? Welcome back to Comic Book Nation Season 5, the only show that does it all for geek culture. Although today we're not going to really live up to that title so much because today is a very focused episode and we're not going to do a whole lot of preamble. It's just time to go. (laughs) This week we got the first release slate reveals from DC Studios and co-heads James Gunn and Peter Safran. We've got five DC movies five DC TV shows to talk about. And to help me do this, I've put together a panel of DC experts. You guys already know my regular co-host and avid DC comic reader over here, Matthew Aguilar. What up? And our resident other co-host, Janelle Wheeler, is at her home studio today. Hey, everybody. And joining us from the CB staff, one of our comic book queens of the staff over here, Nicole Drum is back on the show uh, this time with some uh, stunning, shining blonde hair. We, you come in different hair flavors depending on the time of the year and the occasion and what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it's a topic of discussion, so we got to highlight that. <laughs> us from the Marvel side, jumping over the fence to talk some DC. Phase Zero host Aaron Perrine is with us. The multiverse is a place we know frightening little about. Let's get it. Let's go. (laughs) So, like I said, we had to put together a panel of experts today. We have a lot to talk about. It's been a big week, and, you know, I've been kind of hopping up and down. Matt's seen me spaz about having to wait till Friday to talk about all this. (laughs) But I'm kind of glad we did because, as always, things happen. Things continue to kind of fall out. We learn more, and we're going to talk and be able to kind of talk about it all today. So, without further ado... Let's get into it. So I believe it was, man, this week has been crazy, but I think it was Tuesday that we got this presentation or was it the last day of January, like the very last day of January? Because James Gunn promised we'd get this like sometime in the first part of the year until he waited till the last day. Um, people were getting fired. People were getting hired. And James Gunn was announcing DC Studios stuff. So let's go through what we kind of learned from this event, starting on the movie side. The first thing we got, of course, is the thing we knew about, which is Superman Legacy. This is the Superman movie reboot. James Gunn is writing it himself. And we didn't learn much more than that. But we know this is going to be about a kind of a younger Clark Kent coming to Metropolis. But interesting enough, as you just saw flash on the screen, James Gunn shared a picture from uh, Grant Morrison and Frank Quigley's all-star Superman when he was making the presentation. Then yesterday he just outright came and like confirmed that yes, this is the one of the books that is heavily inspiring this new 
Superman movie, which, you know, I nearly broke my brain, I think Wednesday or Thursday, trying to dig through all the comic influences for all 10 of these projects and doing a lot of guesswork. But James Gunn kind of. And then found a lot of Grant Morrison. Yeah, yeah, it's like basically this is going to be the Morrison. My was my conclusion. This is the Morrison versus what we're about to enter. If you're talking about like different phases of DC, but um. That was an interesting pick because of the nature of what All Star Star Superman is, which is a Grant Morrison, Frank Quigley story, twelve uh, issue volume. Of course, it's about Superman getting kind of tricked by Lex Luthor and getting overpowered by the sun. He finds out he's going to die. He has a limited time left, and he wants to perform a set of miracles. And that's really just a framework, as most Grant Morrison things are, for kind of these individualistic stories that highlight different parts of Superman's world, his character, his effect on the world, the different people that are kind of involved in his main core of characters. Um, and it's one of the most acclaimed kind of Superman modern series. And might we add, the interesting thing about all these D things, DC pro, uh, kind of chapter one projects is pretty much across the board with the exception of, I think, like Swamp Thing. And they're all from kind of like modern 21st century DC storytelling. So how do you guys feel about this kind of take on Superman? And does anybody have any kind of ideas about like how we're going to fit what gun is set up as the premise of this for like what all-star Superman is and how it connects to this? Cause I, I have some theories, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> do you want me to do it? Yeah, go for it. Uh, well, like you said, I think it's more of a, it's more of a framework, obviously, because I mean, starting, I don't know how you start off with that story. Uh, <laughs> you're trying to launch a, a character, right? So I think it's more about, and if they're they're going with anything, it, it's to restore what is um, most renowned about Superman, which is a sense of hope, a sense of compassion, uh, all these, if, if they're focusing on who the person is and why he is so respected and lauded by the rest of the DC universe, you have to start with what he inspires people to do. And that's something that All-Star Superman does really well. It does it within that framework, but you don't have to have all that, right? Like, I don't want this to be a, uh, hey, we're trying to shove all of these iconic stories in the first part of this journey. We've made that mistake already. So let's not do that again. I want to, like, take it step by step. I think making him somebody that you show the effect of him throughout all the other movies, establishing him first. And like, oh, man, like this is what inspires me about Superman. That has been captured in the comics over the last two, three years really well. And I think and it's also going to be captured even more, I feel like, in the upcoming Superman issue, which I think is also really good. So I think I want to see that on film. And I think this would be a perfect avenue to do it. I don't necessarily need all the other trappings, the Morrison-esque trappings. But Good point. Check out our interview with the creators of the new upcoming Superman comic book that is being kind of relaunched by DC Comics this year. And we had a long, awesome chat with them on a previous episode. Go check that out on our Plug YouTube page. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, I know you're chomping at the bit. I know all of us have like platforms to kind of tweet or yell about this stuff, but uh, <laughs> I know you're chomping at the bit to talk a little bit about this. So tell us, what are, what are you thinking about this Superman? relaunch i'm excited for it like i i've not been shy about saying i i did not love the snyder verse at all i thought that his take on again Zack snyder does beautiful things visually but i hated his version of of superman i just did um this i think is going to give us that that energy of goodness of his care for humanity I think this is this, um, using the Morrison comics is going to be more of a framework, like you guys have said. I am just excited for a Superman that expire, inspires hope. Like when they announced that this this would be the book, 
that would kind of be the the vibe or at least what they're drawing from. I don't even care how they bring the comic into it. I just, the energy, this book was such a, I, I've joked about this a few times about how it feels like James Gunn looked at my grad school comic book poll and is like, yeah, that'd make a good slate because this is so much of the stuff that was on that poll. And it just, there's just a feeling that you get when you read that particular run of comics. And I'm excited to get that feeling in a movie. And so for me, that's what this is about. I think we're going to get finally a genuine Superman that I feel like we haven't seen on screen in a really long time. So that's what I'm excited about. I have no well, idea how they're going to bring the story parts into it, but yeah. I'm here for the vibe. Well, I think it's interesting too, because like Janelle, you've been, I feel like we've read a lot more Superman oh, on yeah. the show over the last like year. Mm -hmm. Does this excite you? Like, what do you, like you hearing this premise and everything? Cause I don't actually remember. I don't think we've ever no, we never read touched all star Superman here. So it would be a good one to revisit. Now. You can also watch it. <laughs> we should, we really should. HBO Max is an animated movie. Yeah. You know, it takes a cliff note version. So how are you feeling about this? I'm pumped. I mean, Superman is awesome. I love, I liked the Snyderverse Batman. But or Batman, Superman, I liked Batman too. Um, Superman, but um, obviously, like it's darker and it had its moment, like it had its time and it, 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 it existed the way that it did. And that's cool, but I'm ready to see a different side. Um, the way you guys are talking right now is actually getting me more pumped than anything because, as like a casual, I don't know, reader um, and new to actually doing the comics. If you're new to the podcast, I'm more of like the TV shows, the movies. And now these guys have gotten me in on the comics. Um, it's I think it's really exciting to see a different side. And I think that this is going to be more fitting of the times. Like I feel like that dark and gritty and kind of like almost negative feeling that I was experiencing. <laughs> um, it, it's had its <clears throat> moment, like, but I think we all kind of need some, uh, some happiness and some positivity and to kind of bring back like the OG, like as a kid, I thought of Superman as wholesome, like just super wholesome and kind and, and kind of like this, this person that I always thought like grownups were. You know, like, oh, they're yeah. all good. And then I grew up and I'm like, grown ups suck. Like, they're <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and, like, and I'm one of them. So uh, we, we need this. We need it. I'm definitely example. with you there. I'm yeah. with you there. My, my kid is a huge Superman fan. He's got that same Superman is the ideal. And I'm just so pumped for the idea that this yes. movie theoretically is going to be out when he is at a point where going to movies is a thing that mommy and John do together. Yes. And oh my God, this is going to be his Superman. That's and crazy. how exciting is that? That he's going to get a, a hopeful, hopefully a hopeful inspiring Superman because Lord knows he's already a little supervillain in training. We need this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like Aaron my theory is going to depress you guys. Aaron, but we'll that. Aaron uh, you get final word. We're going to move on. But Aaron, give us a final word on uh, how you feeling about Superman. I think if you were looking for a piece from the modern era to distill exactly what Superman is, I don't think you could pick one better book to do this. Mm. I am a little concerned that he's supposed to be younger. I don't know how that's going to work, but uh, I love this story. I love um, what do you give to the man for the man tomorrow? The, the thing that Morrison kind of looked at when he was like crafting this. So I, I'm just like very, very pumped about a hopeful vision because Superman is the best, you know, he's the best. And it doesn't feel like that sometimes on the movie screen last decade or whatever. I'm like, 
he really is. He really is great. Like, I don't understand why people like that day on Twitter, everybody's like, Superman is boring. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he can literally do anything. Literally Dan, anything. Jurgens. Dan Jurgens was on our show. And um, Dan Jurgens, one of the most famous kind of comic book creators, especially over at DC and especially with Superman. And he kind of gave the mic drop answer of saying, I don't think that Superman's gotten boring. I think Superman's always been the same. I think it's the world around him where we've started to do things where, you know, falsehood and fakery and, you know, doing all this stuff, lying has become normalized and, and the standard and getting ahead that way. And so looking at a person who doesn't do that and it stands for these other things is what people are saying is boring. It's the society that's changing, not the character. But I digress. Um, I want to get to the next film before I tell you guys, like, yeah, go back and watch that. Comic The next one, Brave and the Bold, is the Batman movie, which I know Matt was... <laughs> cheering for quietly no. because it will be kind of based on again on grant morrison on their work and batman and son that kind of first story arc that brought damian wayne into the mainstream dc universe and started to build this new relationship with him and bruce wayne um if you don't know damian wayne is bruce's son that he had with talia al ghul he was raised by Raja ghul and his mom in the league of assassins and eventually he comes and is given by into bruce's care and trying to kind of pull Damien back, who was this kind of darker version of if Bruce Wayne had had kind of like the same mission with some really bad mentors, yeah. like how he would have turned out and him having to teach his son about the values of being Batman and all that stuff is now it was a, I mean, that was a big swing when it happened and trying to give Batman a son and everybody was like, what? <laughs> and nobody liked Damien at first, but uh, he has definitely earned his place. And if you listen to this podcast, then you know that, you know, we've been, keeping up with a lot of Damien stories. And all I'll say is I'm excited because this is a different kind of Batman. We've never mm -hmm. done this version of the story. I also hope that this isn't the end of the Morrison influence. And when we get to the speculation part after the break, we're going to talk about why we only got the first half of this chapter one slate. And I think some of those movies in the second half, one of the reasons is could be spoilers to like what happens in this first half. Right. Mm. So I hope we do get a, the new Batman and Robin with like the Dick Grayson, because there's implications here that Nightwing so can be swinging around in this universe and Dick Grayson's, you know, possibly grown now. And that leads me to my theory, which I don't want to depress anybody, which is <laughs> I think James Gunn is maybe playing with us a little bit with the Superman thing, which is this story that sounds like it's this kind of younger kind of Superman instilling hope and coming to Metropolis and making the people believe again. But I'm wondering if it will be that straightforward because the presence of this kind of brave and the bold and introducing Damian Wayne, who, you know, obviously has in Grant Morrison's writing a succession yeah. taking over for Bruce Wayne. And Bruce Wayne has his own adventure that people kind of now really love going through time and doing all that stuff. And the Batman Incorporated people want to see out of this. I don't know this. why they love that. Batman. I don't either. But I was not good at the time. I know. I didn't like, I didn't like it either. I never like. I'm not really dead. Lost in time. I like that's the revision. Yeah, I, history, I, I okay. hate that. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. But um, I hope then people hope there's a Batman Incorporated that comes out of all this. But I'm wondering if they won't possibly do something crazy like remove the main Superman and Batman out of this early. Oh God. And then kind of, and if this Superman, I mean, it's called Superman legacy, right? right. And if this isn't going to not just mimic the, the themes of, of all-star Superman, but kind of steal some of the structure, which is maybe giving you these ice, these stories of things Superman did, but leading up to something that removes Superman from the equation and possibly even put somebody like Jonathan Kent 
in kind of more of the center of this universe alongside somebody like Damian Wayne for the future. That's just my theory. Wow. That's just my theory. It's a crazy theory. But I'm wondering <laughs> if James Gunn isn't crazy enough to do something like that. So that's just me. Anyway, what do you guys think? Brave and the Bold, Matt, you can go off. You can, you can give your uh, big baby. I, was, I mean, that was like a Reddit theory. And yeah, I know. In person. <laughs> hey, man, I've been in a deep DC rabbit I, hole this week. So I... Know. We will. When we get to the speculation point, I'll give my. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll give a. I, I'm processing that still. That was a lot to. Was a lot to. Take <laughs> I will. I will say though, as far as this, it's funny that. Um, <laughs> I love the idea of having Damien in from the beginning. I think it's smart because if you want him to be a part of this world, and, I, and one of the strongest parts of DC is actually legacy. That legacy to me is is handled. Uh, differently than it is in the in the Marvel side of things. And I tend to enjoy how legacy just kind of is woven in uh, to the very fabric of the DC universe. You have so many second, third generation heroes and they're all linked. And I just think that's so cool. So to bake that in from the beginning with Batman's story, I think is smart because it just opens up your storytelling possibilities. I remember when that story first came out, it took me a while. I, I loved the story and the concept. I did not like Damien as a person because I thought he was just a giant brat. I mean, it was so, that was, but that was the point. I mean, it's like when the Miz is a heel, right? He's, he's messing with you on purpose. He's doing his job well. He was a brat and he was a brat for a while. And then just over time, the way writers have handled him and have grown him, he is, he is fantastic now. He, he defends Bruce at almost every turn and like some of the conversations they have are just so wonderful. So for that possibility to have in the movies is amazing. So I do hope I like the idea. I hope Batman Bruce sticks around for a while because I want to see that dynamic grow. That said, one of my favorite Batman runs ever is when Dick Grayson becomes Batman and him and Damien have that special relationship. That's one of my favorite runs ever. And it was robbed that it was only a freaking year and they brought Bruce back so quick. That should have been much longer. But anyway, I digress. So that's <laughs> you, feel me. You, feel, you and I right there, the same thing with that. <laughs> because, And then actually, I kind of have an uh, interesting theory about how they can do that and still have the unusual father-son story that gives us Bruce as Batman, that gives us, you know, Nightwing Dick Batman and, you know, Damien being introduced. And I think that Kofi's onto something, but I don't think we're getting rid of our, our big tier Batman and, and Superman. I think we're going to get a Super Sons. I think that's what we're leading to. And Ooh. I've got a, a cooking theory that I'm working on that I hope to have fully written by this weekend for the site. But that's where I think this is going. And so I've got this whole operating theory about that's why we're getting Superman Legacy for what we're getting and Brave and the Bold for what we're getting. And unfortunately, I think that means we're going to get a little bit of weird Batman lost in time stuff. But I'm also down for it because while I hated that aspect of the Morrison run while it was happening, in retrospect, I enjoy the weird of it now. <laughs> Just looking yeah, back. People, I mean, look, I do dude, like that's why I'm so excited. Yeah, we're, 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 listen, <laughs> we can all admit that Grant Morrison is sometimes ahead of their time and they re it really takes time they to catch really up. They are. And honestly, and it, like, it took me a minute. It, it took, and by a minute, I mean a years but like that's why i'm so excited about particularly with the batman morrison being part of this is that morrison gives you everything like you get a little bit dark you get a little bit emotional you get complicated stories you get weird and it is the most comprehensive modern storytelling that just sits in your brain rent free for over a 
for years. Yeah. Like I saw it's, it's been living there for a decade. And when this announcement came out, I lost my mind with excitement. Like, sure. I'm down for Superman. I love Superman, but dude, when they said Batman, the screaming that came from <laughs> my body, I ran to the bookshelves, like pulled all my Morrison off and was like running around like a little maniac. I thought I was in a trans. Yes, Aaron, like literally that me everybody, like transcending. <laughs> I, start, I started texting people being like, you need to read this now, get on it. And people thought I was nuts. But I think we're going to get some crazy, I think we're leading to where we're going to include those generational legacy characters, but I don't think it's going to be at the expense per se. But yeah, it's, I'm so excited. I'm so excited more hopeful. So much more hopeful than me. I love it. I hope it's that pans out. And it also means we need to do some deep dives. We need to like jump back. Oh yeah, no. We, we need go deep. Yep. Need to go yeah, not to like skip too far ahead. Uh, I mean, anybody can go back and comment on this, but it, I mean, it's a kind of a quick recap of our next one, which is Superman woman of tomorrow, which I was like, I heard that. And I was like, Oh man, I missed this one. I better go out and read it, but you all oh. bought it. Now there is no Superman woman of tomorrow. Oh. You gotta read it. You've got to, I'm read going it. to, I'm excited to, I love Tom King. And we are big. Tom King It is not like a secret. Yeah. I just and missed that one in the, in the stack. Because outside I'll, of just the story, though, physically you have, and I hope they maintain some of the look of this book. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Because it is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. There, no, there's. There were times I didn't love the story. I thought there were time moments I thought was derivative, but the book never missed in terms of its visual, in terms of its emotional pull. It it is. My, oh, this is going to be so beautiful. Well, I mean, it's bugged out because I was doing research to write about this and I was like, okay, so Tom King basically just did true grit with like in yeah, space yeah. with Supergirl. Yes. And it's bugged out because yes. he already, he didn't even have this like original idea. He was going to do like a, a literal true grit copy and paste. But I'm saying with Luther Cogborn and Supergirl in the young yeah. kind of like fretting girl character yeah. and the editor's like, nah, bruh. That's yeah. not it. Like make Supergirl the Rooster Cogburn and then go from there. And he was like, That's oh, exactly okay. it. Did you ever see That's True exactly Grit? It. And it's fun. Janelle, did you what? ever see True Grit? Uh, I think so. I don't know. Okay. But it didn't I, leave like a it didn't leave like an impression. No. It doesn't doesn't feel like it left an impression. I agree. No, awesome. We might need to guys, there's I feel a like lot we of take some of these books and, oh, no, we're and, doing do, Supergirl, and yeah. do deep dives. We really should do that. Are you more what are you more excited for, Janelle? The the Batman son of an all or, or a new take on Supergirl? I, I honestly am excited about anything. I'm just excited overall that DC is not failing. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> like it's it feels feel good that. to like finally not have no, an L. Um, and I still am very jaded because of how hard we've struggled on this freaking podcast with DC to try to like live up to our Marvel compadres because it's, it's tough covering DC. It's been really freaking tough for us. And uh, we don't just have like awesome content to just like throw down on every week, like phase zero. <laughs> and so it's, it's been, it's, it's been an experience. I still feel nervous and I still feel a little like I'm excited, but I'm also like, I, I can't wait to see what's going to happen because I don't know. Like I, I loved Titans. It still wasn't a big topic of discussion. People didn't go running to the web to talk about Titans when a new episode came out. And I thought it was spectacular, but people run to the web to go talk about Loki every week. And that's, I'm just waiting for DC to have 
a moment where, you know, casual peeps enjoy it as much as like us massive nerds who are actually reading the comics. And I feel like that's the overall sentiment of this James Gunn experience was, okay, I'm finally like I'm, I'm dipping my, I'm getting excited, but I'm also like, I'm hesitant. And I'm like, when the name of this, I didn't know the comic. It sounded like a soap to me, like a soap opera, like bold and the beautiful or something. And I was like, what, what is this? Like, what is it? I don't know what this is. Um, And so, you know, I I don't know. I think they have a lot to live up to. This is a lot of stuff they're putting out there, a lot of stuff. And I'm ready. We need to see it because I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. I want to actually see it. That was an excellent summary for the end thing, but we're only like I two things into this thing. So. I know, but it's like, <laughs> I hear you guys I'm like, oh. You get to sum it That is a feeling that they're going to have to fight. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it, they dug, I mean, they made their own bet on that. Like, they, we, can't, we can't get around that. That's something they did by a bunch yeah. of false starts. Yeah. And I, and I understand it. That said, I hope if it is more like a soap, I hope it is more like General Hospital because that is the best. <laughs> so we got sci-fi with Supergirl. We're getting sci-fi with Supergirl. We're also going to get some horror with Swamp Thing, which we already update. Um, is looking at Logan director James Mangold to direct, which I mean I'm absolutely here for James Mangold. I mean, for it's weird. Yeah, some of these you you kind of listen to these and then you realize like some of these characters have had like crazy adaptations uh, like so many times swamp thing has had so many adaptations that it's nuts but um and it was robbed the last time oh yeah 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 but but the last one went with and i wanted to just highlight this the kind of alec holland as a man transformed into a monster yeah i think james gunn and james mangold are interested in getting real weird with like the whole swamping as this primordial entity yeah. that's part of a larger world of, Thunder of, of the green. Yeah. Of, of, <laughs> of other primordial entities who just gets imprinted with the soul of a dying man who then kind of, and achieves this kind of consciousness and thinks it's human. And I think that is going to be much more interesting and we can get crazy sequences like within the green and all this stuff and about the interconnectedness of the environment and all this stuff that I think James Mangold is going to, just kill so i'm really excited but we ain't getting that till like near 2030 because oh, james mangold has to promote indiana jones 5 next year then he has to go with timothy chalamet and uh shoot the bob dylan biopic and then he'll start swamp things so see you in like three can years can i do my can i well, okay no i'm not gonna do my bob dylan impression aaron what do you think about uh <laughs> what do you think no one wants to hear that, no that. no one wants to hear the real bob dylan um <laughs> wow I'm stunned. I'm stunned and shocked into, into silence. Um, I think you know it, it really felt like there's about three things on this slate that he's just not afraid to do weird things, like things that I can clearly say that Marvel would not do, like they would not do just like this or the thing we're going to talk about next or even the creature commando, whatever. Like, I'm just like, man, this is going to be really fun for stuff that people wouldn't even get a chance to see otherwise. So I'm excited about that. I saw some people in the chat talking about animal man. That would be a great way to back your animal man has been here. Vertigo's nineties animal. Another, another Morrison. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was getting ready to say. I've never forgotten that. That changed me as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's an HBO Max series that needs to happen for real. Like the yep. I mean, the Vertigo Morrison nineties, yeah. real weird animal man. And I think Aaron oh, highlighted yeah, a really good point that like I want DC to lean into this the weird because DC does weird almost better than anybody when they really oh, yeah. just like off the wall characters concepts. Swamp Thing is a perfect example. Like Aaron said, when you see Marvel dip into it, it feels so different, like Man-Thing, right? Like, we never really saw that coming. But it was within the structure of a bunch of other characters that are more... I mean, Elsa Blumstone's not a typical character, but she's still... She's not Man-Thing, you know what I mean? Like, like it's it's a very different dynamic. And I want DC... What, what has me hopeful is that, yes, some of this lineup is very weird. We're, we're really going with some off-the-wall characters, and there's even tons more, and I just, I'm hopeful. Also, this gets me one step closer to Detective Chimp. <laughs> Finally, in the movie Slate, the authority. This is the weird one that had everybody going, himself even compared it to. He called everybody out. He called everybody out by saying, like, this is like Guardians of the Galaxy. He said, I mean, he was like, yeah, 20, probably 20,000 people in the world knew who Guardians of the Galaxy really were when we announced that movie. And this is the kind of same thing. Um, this is the biggest question mark because this is the only team film we're getting in this first slate. Uh, and the authority has, it stretches when you really start to look at the authority, it stretches over such a weird place in comics. It started out from like the image Wildstorm, Stormwatch days and that kind of knockoff of Marvel in the nineties. Then it evolved into something weirder where somebody's like, I hate most of this team. I'm going to kill most of it, keep some of it that I like and start a whole new series. And then like so many famous creators came through that series, worked on it at a different points and had these weird character arcs that were so off the wall and out there. And then they even just relaunched it. And I didn't even put this together until I was writing like Superman and the authority, mm-hmm. which is like a relaunch, relaunch of that with Superman, just basically making his own shady justice league, not just, I, I love, which is an awesome premise. And so all of that is on the table for this movie. And just starting with the characters and people are like freaking out about Midnighter and Apollo with good reason, which I see them becoming like major parts of yeah. this franchise oh, yeah. because they can, you know, it, it's just, I mean, it's just that time. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is going to be the more surprising, but it's also the most gun of all these projects. Like mm-hmm. if I had to look at it and be like, really? this is the gunniest of all. But <laughs> I mean, obviously, Creature Commandos is the right, gunniest okay, yeah, that's of what all the TV shows. The yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, but these two like are going to be him really yeah. letting that kind of gun signature fly. Because these are superheroes who don't give an F about the usual rules and they're like, we're fixing the world. However, and there's a lot you could do with that, especially... This is the one that makes me wonder about the interconnectivity of all this. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, the authority. What a weird one. I didn't see coming. Yeah. Any any thoughts, Aaron, Nicole, Janelle? All right. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, there's nothing really to say. We don't know enough. Most people, yeah. <laughs> that's no slight against anybody here. Most of us do not know enough to really get into this. <laughs> I was just saying, that's even so what Midnight I have to and Apollo probably going to be big. Yeah. yeah. So. I was going to say, Midnight and Apollo are going to be big. I have to go back and revisit this one admittedly when I, because I did read it. Um, it wasn't my favorite um, for a variety. But again, this is one of those things where time is probably going to be my friend on this, revisiting it with fresh eyes. Um, yeah. I did like the Superman and the Authority part, though. That was always good. Yeah, so it'd be good. interesting to see yeah, how no, that I want, I want, And I want yeah, Manchester woo. Black. Like, like I want oh Manchester God, Black yeah. to be a part of this. Like, oh of all the things we've done talking about Black. Superman, like, those two together are great. So, yeah. Seriously, Manchester Black needs to be in more stuff. Full stuff. Yeah. Like, that's such a good character. Like, so underused. 
And again, it seems like one gun. Oh, it seems, like, it seems like a character gun would really do well to use yeah. and would latch onto, I think, especially, oh, yeah. especially given like more current comics and the kind of what transpired in like, I think the most recent or the previous issue of action. Um, yeah. So yeah. So definitely. But so yeah, I'm going to go back and revisit it. It was one of those was like, really? The authority? Oh man, now I gotta go read it again. <laughs> but I'm excited because it is so, it was so out there. It's not something I would have ever yeah. guessed. Like when I was making my list of things, the weirdest possible things that they could announce in this slate, the authority was nowhere on my bingo card. So I'm, I'm just excited to be like, not have guessed something. So let's go. Yeah, Jim Viscardi hit me up in the night and was like, hey, this is going to be announced in the morning, but do you want to do the thing about the authority movie? And I was like, about the who and the what's now? And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, moving over to TV. So uh, one thing I'm excited about, and I know we'll be excited about on this show is, so Paradise Lost was announced, this kind of Game of Thrones set on Themyscira, you know, Wonder Woman and the Amazon's island. But uh, a lot of people are theorizing us, and I'm just doing it because I want this, is that this is going to, borrow heavily from uh, Wonder Woman, uh, Historia, the Amazons, which was this three-issue epic that we got last year by uh, Kelly Sudenik and a variety of artists like Phil Jimenez and I'm kind of Blake and Gene Ha and somebody else. I'm, I'm sorry for Niccolo Scott. Oh, oh there it you. is. Look at that. Um, and that was just, I mean, again, we're talking about gorgeous like artwork, which I feel is part of this whole thing is the aesthetic that a lot of these books you get in all-star Superman in Morrison's Batman in Historia in even things like Alan Moore's version of Swamp Thing. They're very visual and Supergirl, obviously, as we were talking about. And this is another one. Like I think Historia would be great as a source for this show because it is about the gods and these creations. They make the Amazon and humans and all these things that come together into this epic war. And there is a lot of political intrigue. That first volume is just like all this surrealist yeah. stuff about the gods conversating and having these meetings and in their world and all that. And you can make something that's like American gods, which used to be on stars and game of Thrones and have it be mostly female led. And it would be like, unlike anything. And the story of Hippolyta in that is just mm -hmm. insanely good. And, and if they don't use that, like, what are we doing here? That's just it. Historia is, is just perfect for this kind of prestige level adaptation. Oh, yeah. It really is. Like, I, I remember reading the first issue of that going, I'm like, if I don't get this on television, I'm going to riot. Because it's yeah. just, it's so perfect for it. And um, that's all I want. James, yeah, I need that give it to us, you cowards. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I put that. I put that in there. Yes, I did. I, I said, think you did, but I, I, like, I, I, I back that sentiment. Like it's all I want. Like, yeah, I do. I do have one quibble though. Is if we're starting so far back, we're gonna take forever to get Yara. Like it's gonna take a millennia <laughs> okay, to get Yara. Maybe, maybe there's a, maybe there's a way. Maybe there's a way. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if they're going to do the whole thing with helping to explain all the different tribes, well, and therefore yeah. we won't maybe we, get some of them like Nubia, Yara. That's what I was hoping for. Is that if we're going to jump backwards, let's it, like I like I was uh, talking about with Damien and banking in it from the beginning. Here you can't right because it's you've already got movies in that, and we're keeping gals stuff canon, I imagine. So like, who knows? But if we do, then going backwards and establishing some things that maybe she doesn't know about is the way to start like hinting that there are these other tribes having some of these characters, you know, the well of souls, like all those. Oh, sorry, all those things that 
have been really interesting in Nubia's yeah. books and Yara's books. Like, let's bake some of that in and then just have Diana learn about it later. And like, here's our, here's what has yeah. been happening over in this other part of the world that, you know, like the Amazon culture goes way beyond the mm-hmm. So I want, why not take advantage of that? Do historia. Like you can still do, you can still bake that in yeah. and still make the crux of it that. So I think, if we do that, we again, we set ourselves up to grow Wonder Woman's corner of the world by so much. I mean, we still don't have so many characters, even in two movies. We still there's so many characters that have not really been explored in, in Wonder Woman's world. And since then, so many have really come to prominence. Uh, prominence. Like Yara is. I, I adore that character so much. And it's criminal. And she doesn't have an, <laughs> have an ongoing right now. Um, but but yeah, Aaron, I 100 percent. Second that, that is true. I also think that these TV series are each geared to world expansion in significant ways. Mm -hmm. This series, if they're going back like Historia will, I mean, lay out everything from the gods, the history, you know, what happened in that ancient past. And a lot of this seems like they're going to start the heroes kind of in media race. Like we're here, we're heroes. We have a backstory. You guys probably know the origin, but we're in a world where X, Y, and Z has occurred on these world timeline you know from everywhere from the gods to space to everything and i think a lot of these shows are geared to that i think this show is about the history and the ancient and the mystical stuff right then you go to something like booster gold which is obviously going to be dealing with like timelines time travel in the future and this guy possibly trying to mess or reset things i think they're going to borrow from like the jeff johns run about booster gold having to like prevent things that threaten dc heroes and him being the unlikely person to have to hop into the time stream and protect people i would hope they do the thing with him trying to save his best friend from getting killed and all the hard kind of messed up back to the future lessons about how you can't mess with certain things in time which would be important to establish I think you're going to get something like Creature Commandos, which is obviously horror, supernatural, that can start to lead us to something like a Justice League Dark. You got Lanterns. Yeah, you do. Kind of a big (laughs) space thing, and they use the Earth-1 aesthetic for Lanterns to be kind of modern. But I think that's just the aesthetic. Again, I would bet more (laughs) that Lanterns is going to be more like, but I think that's a grounded aesthetic. Hal Jordan as a kind of, you know, Ferris being a space exploration thing. Hal Jordan being one of their pilots. How yes. Jon Stewart gets in it. The difference in the silliness of the mythos of the green and yellow rings and fixing that up. Silliness. I mean, we saw what happened in 2011. They can't go back. So I think they'll probably silliness. change some of that. But Take your bias out of it. Well, the slander. This Green Lantern slander will not pass. But I think they will bring in some of the modern people like Far Sector and things like that. And I think they'll dip in again to the Morrison verse where you have these kind of weird, almost like police noir stories with like Hal Jordan going undercover in the Black Stars and finding double agents and stuff like that. So I think but that will then let us see more of space in the cosmos. And then finally, you got Waller, which I think will deal with kind of the larger actual DC universe. And I'm hoping praying this is my other big hope that they steal from infinite frontier and do waller basically trying to kind of conduct cross multiverse operations and we get to see things like earth three start to come into the picture that would be dope but um once kofi and i are on the same page with something like that because that's what i want to because it's so cool yeah and i would love to hear the crime syndicate too that while we're at it just come on And I think it's perfect because at the point in the story, we know this is between Peacemaker seasons one and two, and she'd just been outed and had kind of her whole operation shut down. And she's like, well, Rick and Morty style, this earth is screwed. Like, might as well start 
messing around on another earth and see what I can do there. So that's my hope for this. But again, that would start to play with the multiverse and other dimensions and the other famous DC universe realities that are kind of out there. Um, so James Gunn swung from the fences with Peacemaker. We had aliens, super Nazis and everything in between. So, you know, <laughs> not, not. You, I think you summed up the, the show aside from Lanterns. You, you summed up the shows really well. Um, I will say Janelle, <laughs> what the, of the, sh- of these shows, yeah. which one excites you most? Uh, definitely paradise lost. Yeah. Really? That, oh God. Yeah. yeah like anything point. game. Yeah, really? Really? yeah. I mean, I, first of all, women, like women rocking it out, like being like the stars of the show, being the powerhouse strength, like that's so cool. Um, but I am curious how they're going to hook people outside of comic book readers, because like just with last of us, uh, like with the last of us, how they they seem to do a great job of hooking people who don't play video games at all and yeah. don't know anything about it. I wonder how that's going to look because there it is for me, like until I really started deep diving on all of the Wonder Woman, you know, and all the I, I came in going, there's one Wonder Woman. Like there's no such thing as anything right. else. Like there's <laughs> one like and knowing what I know now, I'm so pumped about this but i'm just curious like looking at this entire lineup how they're going to make everything kind of approachable for non-comic book readers because in the end like that's that's how you're successful in this vein like we're not trying to sell comics we're trying to sell people on watching a show week after week after week and falling in love with these characters and understanding their backstories. And um, so hopefully, I mean, I, I have full faith in James Gunn. I feel like he's. Well, don't conclude star, that thought. But- Let's just put a pin in on it, take a break and come back and start because their second half is going to be kind of <laughs> speculating about what does this all mean? Oh, Where are we headed? <laughs> and so I think that's a great question to start with is, is this stuff going to hook a mainstream audience? So we're going to take a quick break on Comic Book Nation. Come on back, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Twitch, do all the things while we're taking a break and uh, come back for the second half of our discussion, which is us just getting a geek out about where this is all going and if it's going to work. Be right back. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com sale. And book your free consult today. We are back at Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture, but today it is all things DC. If you missed the first part of our show, we just broke down everything that DC Studios revealed in their first release slate presentation. Five movies, five TV shows, and we want to say apologies to Mr. Bob Dylan. Moving right along. So we've broken down, we've broken down everything and Janelle kind of left us with a big question uh, right before we went to break, which is now that we know these, this, and this is just the first half of DCU chapter one, James Gunn made that very clear. Um, We've speculated about, we're going to speculate about where this is headed, but um, Janelle's big question, which is a good one to kind of tackle is, do you guys think 
this slate is enough to give DC the kind of mainstream audience that has made the Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of prosper because Marvel didn't prosper just because they nailed it and, and made every comic book fan happy. They drew in and continue to, you know, millions of people who never read the books, but saw what these movies were offering and these TV shows later and kind of jumped in. So do you think we can achieve that with DC? Um, I think for my part, I think some of them are easy sells. Batman's always easy to sell. I think if you can put together a halfway decent looking thing, and even, even if you just put something together, people always want to come and see what you've done with a Superman movie. It's a pretty easy sell. Um, beyond that, I think there is kind of a little bit of work to be done in some areas, as Matt has said. Um, Supergirl, I think people just need to know more about and just kind of see what the concept of that is. But putting Supergirl in a big kind of sprawling sci-fi adventure, it looks like it's worked for Captain Marvel. It looks like it's going to probably work for the Marvels, which we think, I think we're here and we're going to get a big Super Bowl trailer for and can have some massive hype for. Oh, you and me are fighting out these hype year hype. <laughs> This is real bad. <laughs> the models, baby. Yeah, it's a Schrodinger staff situation. <laughs> but I think things like Swamp and horror sells, right? And horror is an easy yeah. sell. And sometime in this time that comic books got into big budget horror stuff, uh, and authority nobody knows about. So I think it's all in the marketing for <laughs> that. But yeah. I think James Gunn is good about selling things that are weird. And so that's a very good positive. Yeah. I mean, he sold us on the suicide squad, which is kind of a weird. I mean, it's about as weird as it gets, right? Like, with just a collection of people. We saw Pete Davidson toting two guns, and we're <laughs> like, I'm not running away from that immediately, okay? Like, that that's all right. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I have faith in this, and I have faith in just the initial curiosity. Now, as always, you got to – we saw what happened in the Snyderverse wasn't – was that, you, you know, it's a domino effect. And they've said they're locked in, and they're committed to this. So we are going through this. This is happening, but – you know, with Snyder, it was like there was some wobbling in the Man of Steel, and then it just right across forever after that. It was just divisive, wobbly, and after a while, I mean, it just didn't even seem like people came by the time Batman Superman came out. People were just coming to be like, I have the same problems with this as I do Man of Steel, based on nothing that I've seen, and it's just like, you're, you're down the kind of perceptual toilet after that. That impression feels like it's based on a real person. <laughs> I make no comments, but uh, you know, what do I know about this industry? But um, so I think, yeah, I think, like you said, the first thing is just getting over the perception. Um, and I think by if you can pull off a successful Superman project, that is the big hope instiller, right? If you do that, then people are kind of ready to go. And I think, again, it all comes down to casting Damian Wayne. I think a lot of this hinges on, but I think doing another good Batman movie, if you do that and you give people a good Batman movie and a good Superman movie, you've already kind of conquered the perception problems that hit the Snyderverse without, and as people noted in the comments, without having to crap on the Snyderverse. Right, yeah, I don't want that. Which is important, I think, because I don't think we're going to get anything built here into a m massive DC fandom without bringing all of these different people together, whether you like the Snyderverse or not, like this is a fresh start and we all kind of got to jump into it like that. But yeah. um, if you make a good Superman movie and a good Batman movie that people that generally the vast majority of people enjoy, I think that's the big win that lets you do some of this other weird stuff to come. Agreed. Aaron, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I like Kofi's big tent strategy. You don't get anywhere pissing people off, as, as my grandfather used to say. You know, it's basically my grandmother be like, it's you get people with honey, not vinegar, Robert. 
Yeah, um, it's like one of my biggest parenting Robert. lines. Oh, exactly. the name of it. It's like one of my biggest parenting lines these days. I even throw in the Robert for no reason. <laughs> but it's it's really true. I, I think that getting, I said this on phase zero, I'm like, getting Superman right should be the utmost priority because in some ways you're right. Once you see the first one go in, the rest of them just start falling. You'll be good to go. We haven't seen, uh, when did Man still come out? 16? What was 2012 it? or 13 or 12. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just, just a lifetime ago. Just, oh. Literally just yeah. in the grave right now. So, yeah, I, I think that that's probably the most important. And I think that, you know, you have to give people hope. I root for a lot of sports franchises that were not very good for a long time. And <laughs> after a while, it gets hard to turn on TV. It gets hard to buy merch. It gets hard to justify wasting your Sundays watching these losers lose. You want to see them win. Everybody oh else gets to see people win. You know, wow. I'm a Tennessee Royal fan. I understand that. Yeah. I understand yeah. that. DC isn't the Bengals. Everybody calm. Hey, the Bengals doing all right now. I was about to say, right, Joey Burrow. Shout out, my cousin plays for the Bengals. Get all the way just to not get anywhere. Right, but um, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. And um, yeah. So Janelle, as our kind of control to our little nerd experiment, how are you overall? I mean, honestly, just. Let's cut all the cap. Let's cut all the the niceties of the show. How are you feeling right now about the majority of these projects? Do the majority of them look interesting to you? Or are you just like, I know Batman. I know Superman. I think I recognize that Wonder Woman thing. And you're just kind of going it, it, it's it's that it's like I know Batman I know Wonder Woman I know but it's excitement especially I will say Supergirl is very exciting um, for me and it's it's really cool to see so I don't mean to like you know beat a dead horse but like seeing ladies and like women take like lead role you know roles and shows and movies like that is very exciting for me um, and that alone will get me my butt in a seat um, like with Supergirl and it will get me watching week to week anything. Um, you know, I think that like the accessibility. So if it is HBO, I mean, yes, it is like it, it will be so easy for me to just like, p- like turn it on. And I think that's going to be um, something that a lot of people will do, especially if it just depends on like what, what else is out at the same time, yeah. you know, and like how the promotion's going. And I really have faith. I really have faith and I'm, there are certain projects I'm so excited about, but even the ones that I don't know much about, I'm intrigued enough to want to go out and read the books and understand where, where it's coming from, what this is about. Like I'm, I'm excited. I am truly. So that feels good. (laughs) Yeah. As we come down, I want to get you guys theories. Where do you guys think, and this is maybe for the comic book crowd. Janelle just gave several awesome <laughs> kind of mic drop endings. But where do you guys think this is all headed for the comic book crowd? What event, what kind of second half are we looking at that we can't see right now? What do you guys have? Let me just give me your craziest theories. Nicole, I know. You I think that Nicole's that. right. I don't know if it's going to be Super Sons, but I think there will be some kind of next gen Superman Batman thing that comes up quick. It'll be yeah. like Son of Superman and the new Batman Robin kind of with Dick Grayson's Batman, or it'll be just straight up the super sons. Cause that is a big thing. I mean, today. why wouldn't it be? That's such a layup. Yeah. 
I mean, there's two franchises. You could do it two different ways. Right? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, but yeah. that is it's but already instead of there. a world's finest crossover into. I mean, it would help erase the taste of Batman v Superman from a lot of people's mouths. Yeah, Super Sons, it. it's fun, it's colorful. It feels like a good direction to go because they've talked about in, incorporating all these additional characters that we don't typically get to see. Yeah. And you know, there's been so much talk about how rich and deep the DC lineup is beyond the big characters. This just seems like the natural direction. Um, I, I can't help but think that that's where we're going. Um, and if yeah. we're not going there, part of me wonders with the with the waller of it, if maybe how we get there is some sort of take on crisis. Um, I don't know which crisis. I would love to see a crisis on Infinite Earths type of situation, though I don't think it could be a direct thing. Um, the animated but, movie. I <sighs> but I don't know. Like, I don't know. If, I don't even know if we're leading to an event type of thing. We might just be leading towards really good natural storytelling, which yeah. I think would be a very interesting way to deviate from the Marvel formula in a yeah. way where these stories are their own events, telling stories that come together to where the, yeah. the, the plot for lack of a better term flows for legacy, years. legacy, legacy, legacy. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. I, I kind of hope because I'm uh, that's what I would like to see. I mean, I love, I love that Marvel builds towards these events. Like we all know that I am so down for, for Kang and everything coming with Kang. I, I love that stuff, but DC is not Marvel and DC should not try to be Marvel and they should not yeah. replicate that formula. And I would love to see DC do what it does best, which is tell these complex stories that interconnect and weave without necessarily requiring everybody yeah. to come together to fight one big bad. Because even I in agree. comics, we, we sort of see it, but we don't really see it. So I, that's what I would like. That's I think I want to take it. I think the crisis should be to pull from one of DC Animation's best works. Crisis is on two Earths, which is where Justice League goes up against the syndicate and an alternate Earth. And yeah. Owl Man wants to destroy the multiverse okay. and do all that crazy stuff. That'd be interesting if they built up to that instead of having like a Legion of Doom or a Big Bad, a Thanos. Yeah having them have to battle. And of course the waller of it all having to battle this alternate yeah. version of themselves and to start to set up. Yeah. That I think the stakes in DC should be. And I think the first event should be something like crisis on two earths or kingdom come even, which could be a mm. big event that you could do bring back Snyder people to say in DC, the, the threat is kind of like X-Men. We're not fighting everyday things. We're fighting the possible outcomes over time, over, yeah. you know, reality, over this direction or that direction and how things can go if you make certain choices. And if you're not a certain kind of hero and, you know, it's where it can be. It's more of a human threat. It's, yeah. it's, more of an, it's, it's more of an internal human threat yeah. kind of thing. And like, like if what we, happens if? Yeah, what happens if? And so I think doing events that kind of set up those stakes would be interesting, but that's just me. Yeah, I kind of like the idea. They've been doing it more over the past... It's more of a thing in the Batman and Superman world um, and Wonder Woman world. I like when DC does self-contained events to the character mm -hmm. world. So I like Superman events. Yeah. You get the entire Superman family and all the kind of characters that accompany them. And it feels like an event because it draws everybody there. But you don't have to have like every book participate in every single character. That, sometimes that just comes across as force. Then we get, you know... Um, Oh God! What's the uh, what's the one in Marvel? It's a uh, fear. Um, fear itself. Fear itself. Thank you. <laughs> you get like there are things that feel like oh that could have been a, sure. an event, but a smaller thing. Yeah. Um. So I I think Batman does it all the time. How many 
classic Batman stories, like, you know, have been just the Bat family. They're Gotham. It's like no man's land is like a perfect example. The Nightfall stuff really all happened in Batman's world. Yes, some people come over, especially like Superman. But like even like recent events, like Tom King's whole run, right? That really involved the Batman family. And there's enough characters in the Batman family. I'm hoping for some uh, Huntress shine uh, in oh, Guns. heck of- yeah. Yeah, like spoiler. spoiler, like I mean, uh, the signal. I love like there's so many characters. You know, heck, the outsiders. Like, have that team is a Gotham. So like, there's just so many people you can involve, make it feel like an event, but Ooh, you're keeping it contained, and you don't have to cross over with Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wonder Woman. If we had trial the Amazons, but like you know, done better. Like. I- <laughs> I would be cool with that. I want that, you know, in in the world. So that's so your approach. I mean, that's interesting. You're saying instead of going for big in like down the line crossover events, start working on things within the individual franchises yeah. as events. Well, in terms, good lord, how many Green Lantern oh, events yeah. have there been that yeah. didn't really involve anybody else, you know, until the very end? So like everyone has them. The well is there. So yeah. and then sure, build up to your crisis four years down the line. Do something epic. Awesome. Like, I, I'm not saying I don't want that. I'm just saying, like, let's not put the cart before the horse. No, it's an interesting, it's, yeah. a, it's an interesting deviation. I mean, it's something different. So, I mean, that's interesting. But I, always like, I always like the idea that even though there's a giant, huge threat, one of the things I always think that we always miss when we talk about big, huge event type things is like, even though something crazy is going on that requires major heroes, someone's still got to be dealing with muggers in Metropolis and getting kittens out of trees. And those are still good stories. So yeah. why not be a little more self-contained? Aaron, from the Marvel side, we're going to start closing this down, but do you want to have any final thoughts about where DC is going? I mean, this is going to be your ops for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, I just happy to actually, like Kevin Feige says, it's not a rivalry. Like we just want to see good movies. And honestly, it is nice to see some excitement, some real fun excitement that's not rooted in like people sniping at each other around these movies because for the last three years since we've been locked inside it's been just people sniping at each other over these movies and it's nice to actually talk about things that are coming out things that are on the schedule things to look forward to and i guess you can't really put a price on that it just (laughs) names on a timeline is enough at this point where i'm like yes finally you know i agree not absolutely yeah i think you and janelle put that so well of like it's nice to be hopeful i am obviously cautious because we can't just blanket out everything that's happened but it is nice to uh to be looking ahead and like two years ahead not just like three months ahead like oh we wait for you know the next movie to drop and then all the chaos ensues like it's actually nice to like look ahead and be hopeful so i yeah man that's good all right. I think we're going to do it here. But uh, before we get out of here, um, I think we got some hot, oh, yeah, just some hot things, just some hot things to do. So we're going to go real quick. Uh, I saw Knock at the Cabin. I enjoy I encourage people to see it. I don't know if you need to see it in theaters necessarily, but uh, M.I. Shalalan is really finding his niche as a kind of, you know, dark horror thriller folklore storyteller. And this was a, another good one. That. And if you last like the last episode of Last of Us, this was a good follow up, and it was an interesting thing Ooh. to get in a week. So Ooh. check that out. You can maybe wait for Peacock in like forty five days, but uh, you know it's worth seeing. I want Matt, to see that comics. Yeah, let's get into uh, comics real quick. So uh, first, let's start off with DC Power as celebration. You saw my note. You saw my note in here, right? Note in the layout is hilarious. Am I the only one? Like okay, I've been talking you- to people. I've been getting okay. calls all week. Okay, they're selling Black I- History Month. It's really weird. There's I- commercials I- that are like. 
Hello. I, I reviewed the book this week, and I think I even put in my review that I, I don't love that it's being commercialized, but I have to say that Amazing Man story. Oh, yeah, there were good stories in That here. book was so freaking good that I want more people. Actually, I want more people to buy this book for there to be like market right. data that says, give us more of these stories outside of the month of February, because I want these characters and these stories and these oh, creators yeah. on the shelves all the freaking right. time. But the flip side of that is, is like, and you can kind of see his picture behind me. I, I'm the mother of a black child. I want these stories more accessible for him to be able to walk into a comic book store and be like, mm, yeah, give. Because these stories need to be told. But I don't love that it's being commercialized. I, But I'm also ironically glad that it exists. Does yeah. that make any sense? Oh, no, no. This book, I said, I said, put the note. It was I. Oh, it was good. So good. There was so, I, loved, like, I loved the seeing, book. Yeah. Seeing uh, Wallace and, and Jackson have like just a conversation yeah. as two young black men and trying to live up to the flash Aquaman things. That was, there was so much great stuff in that. Um, yeah. There were a lot of good stories in here. So I actually ended up enjoying it, Matt, yeah. in spite of. I, well, it's always funny, right? Cause when I, when I go like, I see a book and it's like, Oh, it's got 107 pages. <laughs> I go, Kobe and Janelle are going to hate me. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, and I always say with like these anthology type books, like, I, I understand where like both of you are coming from because like when they do like Marvel does the yeah, uh, the community books right and so yeah. they, they jump around and they do all the different like there's a Spanish one it was like all about Latin creators and like Latin things and it's like I don't even care that it's yes it's like a series of things but I just like seeing those characters represented and I like those creators given a spotlight so it's this weird thing of like a, I like that it exists. Yeah, it's a I, double. I do want them more I want them more prevalent so that you don't need just a spotlight book to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but overall I'm like at least this is yeah. is there. Janelle, We're getting real deep. Yeah. Janelle, did you uh spot any books yeah. in this any, any stories that stuck out to you? I mean, yeah, the first the I mean I read like four but yeah. um, you guys both just touched on the two that were my favorites. So like, it was nothing. Okay. You gotta, we gotta keep it moving anyway. Yeah, yeah no, I no for the. I, I will say John the John Stewart story. Yeah, so John Stewart was story. Uh, it was also the shortest, but it was Brandon also one Thomas. Of the most, yeah, Brandon uh, Thomas, our buddy, also been on the show. Um, Aaron. Uh, oh yeah, we shouldn't leave you out of this one. Aaron, what do you, Aaron, what do you, you think? Talk. Oh, I just laughed about like the idea of it because it's like Kofi. You know, it's goofy sometimes when you like walk through the store and they're selling like Juneteenth flavored ice cream, but also what? paradoxically, oh. it tastes good. So I don't know where to go. Like I want the ice cream to eat it, but it's also like, why are y'all doing this? This is embarrassing. Stop this. Um, oh man. All right. That was amazing. Uh, wrap it up with our last yes, one. Let's get out get to the book. I'm most excited about uh Bloodline, Daughter of Blade number one. Uh as Nicole also shouted, I reviewed this one. So uh, I, I definitely, I've, I've already said my long-winded piece. You can find it on comicbook.com. I, I adored this issue. I was very excited for this series. And when we talk about DC doing legacy right, it's not that Marvel doesn't do legacy right uh, when handled in the right way. And I thought this was just, I love the visual look of this. I thought it was such a cool pairing with the character. I love this. But what did you guys think? Um, I'm short and sweet. I thought it was a clunky start, but I loved the character. And so I loved where... It did the job. We always talk about first issues and yeah. the, the struggles of them, but it left me in a place where I definitely want to see issue two now. So, yeah. Janelle, what would you think? Yeah, this was sick. I loved it. <laughs> and it, yeah, like it's a family affair. I am, they left me like so excited to see where this goes. 
and she's so cool. I love her purple hair. And yeah, I'm about this. Like, I, I love it. I can't wait to keep going with this one. One note, I will say, I think the upcoming father-daughter interaction is what's going to really be the core of this book. And I am really there for that. It was also nice to just see a healthy relationship between a mother and daughter. Yeah, dude. Like a teenage daughter? Yeah. Because teenage daughters. Well, healthy is, is, is a. No, I, they were. It's a relative word. Honest. They're healthy about killing and beheading people it's together. Fa- <laughs> it's a factor of their world. Yeah, you yeah, got to yeah. be a realist. I mean, like, I, I like that. We're, we're getting down. Go. We're getting down. Right, Aaron and Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> oh Would you guys think of Daughter of Bloodline? Um, I really, really liked it because I, I just like the dynamic. Like Hope said, I think that's going to be really fun. It really reminds me. I'm like, oh, we're going to get into some like very fun Storm Reed, Aegis Elba back and forth here at some point, And that's going to be delightful. I also just like as conspiracy theorists, like, whoa, are we going to get her at some point in stuff? She's been getting pushed a lot. She pushed a lot in these books. I'm like, is that going to happen? Because I think I'm like, if it's going to it would be who everybody who cares about this stuff to read the book so they can actually be successful. <laughs> so yeah. they keep making it. Um, but yeah, I, I dig the character. Like it was really, really cool. Nicole, last word, Nicole. I actually, I actually have not read this one because I was so deep in DC this week that it's on yeah. my list to read That's this cool. weekend when I have a little bit of time. <laughs> I will say though, the, I'm attracted to the purple hair because as you guys know, I've had purple hair. So I'm automatically team anyone <laughs> with purple hair. Um, and while I have a you, quick second to hijack, somebody in the comments has been consistently asking when my Christmas tree is. Yeah, that's what I was going to end with. <laughs> the answer is never. Actually, I don't know, but it's probably going to be there for a while. I am so sorry. It is pure. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy right. the festiveness. Yeah. Quick shout out. All right, that'll do it for our regular show segment of Comic Book Nation. We're the only show that does it all for geek culture, but this week was definitely all DC. Uh, But come back next week. We're going to have a lot more to talk about and a lot of our usual variety. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Aaron, for hopping on and lending your expertise to our discussion and helping us navigate all this. Stick around and be sure to check our YouTube page shortly. We are doing our bonus round, which I think is a name that our producer, Peter, came up with. This amazing name, so I couldn't think of anything. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> uh, this week on Comic Book Nation bonus round, we are going to be getting our wrestling boys together to talk about what happened at the Royal Rumble yeah. this past week. And Matt got to review the new WWE 2K3 video game. And if you don't know, Matt has an infamous history with these video games. <laughs> so now he and Connor Casey will get to talk that out. But uh, we're going to cut it here for the regular show. Thank you for tuning in. And be sure to tune in to Comic Book Nation well, we bonus round. going to get a special shout out. From oh, yeah, we yeah, we get out. I'm sorry. Matt's been doing everything. I'm sorry. My brain's filled with DC. Before we go out, we have a very special a- outro today. Let's run it. We'll see you guys next week. What's up, y'all? It's Bianca Belair, the EST of WWE and your Raw Miss Champion. I'm coming through to shout out the Comic Book Nation podcast. Make sure y'all check it out every single time. Don't miss it. Comic Book Nation podcast. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. 
That's O-L-L-Y dot com. What up, peoples? Matt Aguilar here, along with Connor Casey, and uh, we're here for the new episode of the bonus round, which we're going to be talking a lot of wrestling, so apologies if you came for something else. <laughs> too bad. <laughs> too bad. There's a lot to go over. We got a lot of uh, gaming stuff to talk about with WWE 2K23, and then, of course, we have to talk about the Royal Rumble, which just happened, and I feel like it's safe to say uh, I think it went over pretty pretty well, but you know, let's start with the let's start with WWE 2K23. Um, so I had the chance to go hands on with the game. I only was able to go hands on with war games, regular singles matches, and the first two matches of the 2K showcase. Pretty restricted uh, demo. Yeah, but I mean, you could play as much as you want, but like it was like only those sure. modes, sure. um, and there was only so many wrestlers to pick from. So right. like all of the roster wasn't available. It's was probably like. 10, maybe 12 superstars. So um, as you can see here, I mean, the, the War Games match was the one I spent the most time in. Uh, I did one that was men's and then women's, and then I kind of just had a free-for-all. Uh, I did learn a valuable lesson in that uh, you, ha you have to make sure there's a, if you play 3v3, which is the one I did, and then I did one 4v4, but if you pick, there's a designated, like, where they come in on the match. So you can pick that, like, where they come in. But... Uh, if you pick the third, I wasn't paying attention. I was just like picking people. Mm -hmm. So then I ended up picking the third spot on my team. Sure. So that meant the computer just played like the entirety of the match. And like, once I realized that I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm stupid. So that is something to take note of. Like, you know, you got to pay attention a little bit of like where you put people, but it handles like it's, it's the war games match. They've done so much with it. There's still things they could do. I was bummed that like, there's no trash cans and like, they just, I even talked to them about it a little bit and they were like, you know, we just couldn't quite figure out how to make that look like it needs to look and play like it needs to play. You know, there's always next year's edition for that. Those who have watched war games for a long time, there's a lot of iconic like tra trash can moments in those games with like Dakota. Io Io, yeah. So that was like a little bit of a bummer, but like seriously, like stop signs, chairs, tables, it all handles really well. There wasn't a lot of, there wasn't any um, in my demo. Now these are also running off of, you know, really like uh, I think ours was all running off of Xbox, um, but there, you know, I understand it's a pre-release demo, sure. but still no frame rate issues, no chugging people coming in. All this stuff was, was seamless uh, going up and down the ropes, going through. It played really well. Like it's absolutely chaotic once you get everybody in there, but it's like super fun. Like it just plays really kind of reminded me a little bit of like those old, games we talk about all the time, No Mercy and things like that, that vibe of fun, mm. that was the vibe. Not saying it plays exactly like those, but it was just like super easy to get into. I feel like that's going to be like my GM was last year. Mm. That one's going to be the one that like everyone's playing. Now, um, let, let me ask you this because we have covered so much about this franchise, especially in the past couple of years yeah. and the, the dip in quality for 2K20 and the bounce back with 2K22, yeah. it was palpable. Mm -hmm. And for various reasons, the one of the developers leaving, uh, Visual Concepts basically having to start from whatever scraps they already had yeah. to try and push out a game within that first quarter. And we got what we got with yeah. 2K20. And then you had not only an extra year to work on it, but you had the console jump mm -hmm. with 2K22. And the difference was night and day. Now, let me ask you this, though. How different does this feel 
compared to last year? Because I, I have a point I want to make about yeah. this. Um, as far as like how it controls, handles, how it looks, yeah. like in general, or in, just, in general, um, it feels like a like a small upgrade in terms mm-hmm. of that. Not like a giant. Like it's not the jump mm-hmm. from two K twenty two to two K twenty like at all. It's a small bump up. Uh, everything feels a little smoother. The new pin mechanic I prefer, and I think it like it actually feels more natural. Um, you know, there's not a lot of like everyone's animations feels tightened up. The again with every recreation of a person, you can tell the ones they've had several passes on, and the ones that are new because we have like a lot of new NXT people mm-hmm. in this time around. So like first time face scans are going to be to me. You're going to kind of get the hit and miss. Like sure. You're going to see some people that just like that doesn't look like them, and you're going to get others that like that looks dead like them. But the ones that have had time, you can definitely tell like they look better, mm-hmm. um, but not a giant jump at all. Sure, no. and I wasn't expecting one, yeah. but I thought about this because I was deep in the trenches of the SmackDown versus Raw era mm-hmm. from 07 to 09. I poured hundreds of hours, me and my best friend, <laughs> in all three of those games. Right. Like I remember the soundtracks. Like anytime any of the, one of those songs comes on, I immediately think back to all the matches we had. Um, I think all the different game modes, the story modes, what have you. But then I thought about it, and I went and looked up the Metacritic scores for all of the 2K series when they made the jump in 2K12. Yeah, and I wanted to look at some numbers here, and I want I want to get your thoughts on this, yeah. starting with 2K12. And I'm, these are the PlayStation uh, reviews because in this house we play PlayStation as God <laughs> intended. <laughs> all right, so we have with 2K12 uh, 72. Then it's 76, 74, 62. That was the jump to the PlayStation 4 generation. 73, 69, 66, 77, 43, 2K20, 77 last year. Okay. I noticed a couple of things in that trend. Number one, random fluctuations in between years. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is the, is the, because this is coming out every year, they feel the need to tinker with certain systems. And sometimes that's fine. You mentioned the pin system this year. I think that's going to go over very well. Sometimes it blows up in your face. Yeah. And the other thing I noticed was nothing was above 80. Right. Something that in the THQ era, not a problem. Now, I understand that Metacritic is not the end-all be-all right. when it comes to val- evaluating how good these games are, but it's a good shorthand, kind of like Rotten Tomatoes. It is. for It is. I'll, I'll let you finish the point. So I, I, think you're good. I think what this – and when I was, I was watching your playthrough, I watched all the playthroughs when the embargo listed yesterday, yeah. and the big thing I took away from it was it looks a lot like last year. Yeah, I can't blame it because same developer, same studio, what same publisher, what have you. But I think that this franchise would benefit so much from breaking away from the same problems that Madden, FIFA, NBA 2K always run into every year, which yeah. is how do you justify the annualization of these games? Yeah. And I think if they were to put out one game either at the start or end of a particular game generation and then dedicated so much time to that game where it was, let's put out DLCs, let's put out patches, let's have roster updates on a consistent basis. I think you would get games that are put in such higher regard than the ones that pump out every year. Because let's be honest, as much as we talk about these games, when you ask someone, okay, what are the best wrestling games? 2K doesn't come up that often. 
It's typically your No Mercies, your WCW yeah. NWO Revenge. Some of that's nostalgia. A lot of that's nostalgia. But I also, <laughs> but I also think it's just quality because some people will still go back to those games. Some will still go back to SmackDown. Here comes the pain. Right. Some will go back to SmackDown vs Raw 07. Keep again, some again. It's nostalgia, yeah. but I also think that it's a matter of if I go play today's game, A, it doesn't feel that different from what I was playing 10 years ago, and B, they've tinkered with it so much that it's almost too complicated at this point. Like, I play, like I got the free download code for 22. Yeah. I played it for an hour, and I'm like, in some ways, this feels like how it used to feel, and in other ways, it's too complicated, and, right. I'm, and I'm bored. And I think that's a problem, and I think this does not... this it doesn't necessarily need to go the route of like Zelda where there's one game a generation. And when you think of the Nintendo GameCube, you can name the Zelda game that is associated with that generation of console. Same with the Wii, Mm -hmm. same with the switch. Yeah. And Lord only knows what they're doing with tears of the King. Yeah. But I think that's coming toward that. One was at the start of the gaming generation. One was at the end. I almost wish they would space it out. They don't need to space it out that far where it's every six to seven years. Right. But at least go the Forza Horizon route where it's every other year. Right. Because well, I yeah. and I think because I think about what happened with 22. Think about how many of the DLC packs came out in those months afterwards. Yeah. There really wasn't a change in quality of the game. It was just roster packs yeah, there was just roster with, with characters that, let's be honest, could have been in when it launched. Yeah. And then I think of the Cody Rhodes situation where how cool would it have been? If the day after he showed up at WrestleMania, he was available to be played in the game. Oh yeah. If they had, had if they had scanned him in and had him ready to go. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I mean, he how quickly he signed versus how quickly he yeah. showed up, it's not really feasible. But imagine within a month they said, sure. Hey, Cody's on Raw tonight and you can go play him in the game right now. Yeah. And he's going up against Austin Theory, who has an updated gear to make it look more current as opposed to because I'm telling you right now. When 2K23 comes out and we look at the roster, we're going to go, oh, this is how it looked last March. Yeah. Whereas with the NBA 2K series, if I go put it on right now, the lineup they've got for the Lakers matches what they played this week. Yeah. Because they update that thing constantly. Yeah. A- any thoughts to all this? So, well, okay. So, I personally, I think every other year is a sweet spot. Now, um, as those other franchises have shown us, that is just not going to ever happen. Sure. <laughs> I'm not saying it's this not will financially happen. feasible for them because the bar is already set. So they've already they already have budgets, right? Of going like, well, okay, well, we know we're going to make this much from here. That's why 2K20 hurt so much was because they had forecasts and then they had to like bring them in. So I like now that it's set, it's very much like when when games. Uh, were sixty dollars, mm-hmm. and then finally made the jump to seventy, and like, mm-hmm. everyone lost their mind. But like that's that became the standard. That's why now when like things seem to be like the next generation will probably be seventy nine, right? Mm-hmm. Which honestly is actually the standard now. Just the version everybody buys is typically seventy nine now, like because it's typically the deluxe, mm-hmm. and then they have whatever that next jump is. That's when like. Only the hardcore box. The 120 with the but steel box. But they offer the 69 cover, yeah. now. 
that's your standard, whatever. Yeah. But most people kind of do the jump, right? So really, sneakily, it's actually 79 already. And, and, and when you talk about the finance stuff, I get the desire to want to have to put something out every yeah. year because then in those financial reports, they can say, we made this much yeah. off of gaming this year. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Would you rather make $5 million over four years or, a, or three quarters of a million every year? Over time, okay. Number one, I was promised there would be no man. Uh, no, I, okay. <laughs> Sorry, like this. God of War Ragnarok so sold eleven million. Sold yeah. eleven million copies. Yes. Now, if they put out a God of War every year and they only sold one copy, right? Well, they only sold one million. Right. You would have made more. You made more money by taking more time. True. And putting out a better quality, as opposed to, let's just focus on the quantity. Right. I agree with you, but. Sports franchises have always been held to a different regard in this industry. But what's the number one complaint of Madden? But they still buy it. So it doesn't matter if they vote with their wallets and they buy it. It doesn't matter. (laughs) They want the new. And it's funny because Madden 2K, I love the NBA 2K franchise. Mm. But you're right. Like they do the thing of, you know, let's tweak systems that maybe necessarily don't want to be tweaked, which in 2K20, Three's defense, they got a lot of rave reviews for 2K22's foundational game plans. So they didn't mess with a bunch. Right. And it's crazy because I'm seeing it because I see a lot of that um, same sentiment online of like, hey, you know, it doesn't look a ton different. But then I also see like, but that's okay because like I really like that thing and Mm -hmm. they were able to add other stuff. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act. Sure. Um, I, I do like, I would obviously love a a bigger jump. I always, because that's, I always just love a bigger jump. Um, but I also look at it and go, I understand it's, it's like an unfortunate standard. I would personally, I think that every other year format for just about anything, like when we're talking like album releases from musicians, um, games, movies, sequels to mm-hmm. movies, every other year I'm okay with because it gives me just enough time to refresh. It gets you enough time to get the most out of the game. I've always been one that has struggled with understanding why the wrestling games can't do roster updates like NBA. Now I know some of that comes from just the length of, I mean, uh, uh, every LeBron James was taking the, one of the most high profile people in an NBA game Mm -hmm. is not getting the amount to me. I don't know how, how the comparison is. He's not getting a full entrance before he comes down to the ring. He doesn't have his own music. He doesn't have his own like, several attires he's wearing mm-hmm. one of two jerseys right mm-hmm. like there are things that i don't necessarily think cross over in in how they're developed i remember them talking about the fiend right when he was introduced and it was a big thing that like the team the wwe team really wanted him in the game because mm-hmm. they wanted to capitalize sure. and i remember them telling me like that took moving mountains to mm-hmm. to get him in the game and that was like a thing from WWE of like, we really want him in. Can you fit him in? And they shoehorned him. Like they did everything they could to bring him to that game. But that was like moving, like that it was took, moving mountains. It took so a lot. I don't know how Cody goes. But I also think of, I'll give you an example. Yeah. A year ago, the Judgment Day did not exist. Right. Now they are a staple of Raw. Mm-hmm. 
if the game comes out and there's no judgment day yeah. and there's no updated look to Rhea, to Agreed. Finn, to Priest, yeah. Dominic's change is fairly mm-hmm. new, but it's not like it's it's not like he completely transformed his body. He right. wears a bandana and sunglasses and swoops back his hair now. I feel like that's a feasible day one update of, hey, here's the judgment day. It's going to look weird if yeah. we play the game and it's Rhea circa early 2022. I see those are the changes I think should be possible. Should be possible. because I, Or even if it's not a day one update, give me in the first DLC pack you release. If you've already got stuff scheduled out for patches and all that, cool. Mm. Make that update. Hey, here's some cosmetic changes to Rhea. Here's some cosmetic changes to several people on SmackDown have changed up looks or whatever. Sure. I understand you can't do... Some, some wrestlers have new gear every time they appear. I understand you cannot do every single one. But some of those big changes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I also feel that way about like titles. I feel like on that update, you should like, there should be some way to like do a title pass of like, okay, who is the current IC champion? Who is the current, you know, United States? Mm-hmm. I understand they can't keep up all the time. Cause like we've titles seen, like, change yeah, hands all the time, but like there should be some kind of barometer, whether it's a month, two months, whatever to like, Hey, we're doing a sweep and we're getting all the updates. I have always struggled with like understanding like why that's not possible. Mm. I'm not saying that it's not, or I'm saying that we're I, not I don't understand either. We know, right. we know this. So there's a lot of stuff out of my league that I don't understand. And they're probably looking at me right like, oh, it, it's not like this. And I, I get it. I understand. I'm not exactly qualified to speak on programming, mm. <laughs> but I will say that has always been something I struggle with of like, why can't we get more accurate, you know, things 2k22. I always give a pass because no one expected half the roster to be released. Before that came out. And ironically, it's actually pretty accurate now because half of them have come back. Yeah. <laughs> so now like Triple H was like, I don't like how my roster is right? updated. Now it's updated again. Um, so yeah, I, I understand. I feel you. Sure. I think every other, I just don't I don't think it's realistic anymore. I think it's that that bar has passed us way sure. It's like Passover. So now that I've ranted about what should be, <laughs> let me ask about what is, which is that showcase mode. Cause we had a lot we talked quite a bit before you went off to Texas. Yeah. And at and we were at like, okay, what does it actually mean to have to keep changing players? Keep changing wrestlers in order to take on Cena. Yeah. And is he like on a super hard mode, like that one Undertaker WrestleMania mode yeah. you had a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like, no. what, what was your sense of that? So, no. So, it is actually – you're essentially recreating all of his most famous losses. Mm-hmm. So, it's – he's not super powered. He's actually – I actually kind of like how they did it. So, like, you know how the steps – populate where it's like hey here's your next objective mm-hmm. this is the next move you would do and this is what happened he's actually they're like personalized so he's actually telling you like rob van dam like at this point like sent me over and it like hurt like hell like he's he's the little things are like very personalized here's what happened to me next mm-hmm. and even his introductions are very like this was like one of the most surreal nights of my life like he's giving a thing of like <laughs> they hated me like it was because we're talking about like the ecw match sure. between him right so it's very much you are playing as his opponent and you're trying to beat him mm-hmm. as you did in that moment. Same way with like the next one, Kurt Angle. He's he's walking you through. And then at the end, the bridge is kind of like, you know, what I learned, mm-hmm. kind of how that affected me throughout my career. And so that's all in his in his introductions. So it, it, he's not like super bad. He's just like playing a normal guy. Sure. And you can like the first time I played it, you can pin him early. And like the game doesn't 
penalize you because like it just ends and you're like, okay, cool. And then you move on to the next thing, but it there's unlock tiers. So mm-hmm. like the further down the list you get, um, the more stuff you unlock for that for that mode. Sure. So it's just, it's not, it doesn't penalize you, which I liked. And then the other big question we had was a couple of his most famous losses are to CM Punk and Brian yeah. Danielson who are not with the company anymore. Right. How did they approach this? Cause I know you asked them about, I this. did ask him about it. Um, they essentially said that, you know, there are, there are people and there are matches that they knew ahead of time. They would not be able to, to recreate like they just knew those were kind of off limits um you know they they try for things um but you know in, in punk's case like there was no chance yeah now he didn't say i mean you could me, back up I'm the saying, brinks truck and be like yeah hey. like there was no chance danielson there there is i feel like there's a slight chance like you you might see that because like they didn't tell us who the rest of the showcase is mm-hmm. Um, they were they were guarding that very closely. I think there's a chance you see him because he also left on very good terms. He established a very good relationship. Like, I think there's a chance you see Daniel Bryan mm-hmm. in that mode. CM Punk, no shot. <laughs> you know, I was hoping. I so let's get to the other thing you did this weekend, which is the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And what a difference a year makes. Because I remember last year and how much we were complaining about how much those rumbles sucked. Yeah. And the stories that came out in the months after where we're talking about, oh, it was chaos backstage. Shane was messing with the booking. Vince was obviously doing his good old last minute changes that he loves to do. But Vince, as much as we're terrified of him trying to take over creative again, uh, he wasn't involved in this rumble. In certain, I mean, However much he talks to Triple H. Yeah. You know, that's that's a given. But this was clearly Triple H's handiwork. His sure. fingerprints were all over this. And it was little things and how you set up stories for guys like Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. You had guys like Gunther going well over an hour. Yeah. Like he's the new Iron Man. He beat <laughs> Rey Mysterio's old record. I love that. And you had a winner where, yes, it was obvious. Yeah. But no one's complaining because right. it's the exact thing everybody wanted. What a novel idea. What'd you think? I agree with you. I think that actually, I think that what you touched on at the end that stuck out to me most was that both Rumble winners were the heavy favorites. And I think also they did a very smart thing and they addressed Sami Zayn right up front. Mm-hmm. And they said, like, he's not going to be in this. Yes, that was that was like my big warning yeah, of like, cut hey, out. you guys are walking into uh, yeah. Royal Rumble 14 if you don't do yeah, this right. They did it like, hey, Roman's like, you stay with me, main event, cool. You don't have to worry about it. And the people, the majority of people that I, at least I talked to mm-hmm. wanted or thought, not even so wanted, but like thought Cody would be the best setup mm-hmm. and wanted Rhea. And to know the ending of like, it's probably going to be those two people and still at the end be like, Oh man, like there's a, there's a, there's a chance. It's not, I think is kudos to their, their storytelling throughout that entire match and the way it was handled and the people that were in the final group Mm -hmm. that matters, right? Can't be, can't be someone you're like, they have no shot. Like it, it has to be credible people. And they also used it to build, like to build Gunther and other people, like they build stars. Mm -hmm. So I think they handled that really well. I left both while the shock and surprise wasn't there. And even the shock and surprise wasn't there throughout because like, there wasn't a lot of like, Oh, it's like, you know, boogeyman. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's DDP or whatever. 
there was still the storytelling was so good that like I left happy. I was satisfied. I am excited for what the winners allow for in terms of who the next matches are. I'm excited for Rhea Charlotte. That's going to be fantastic. And the storytelling possibilities. I, I think I think they made a mistake by going that route as opposed to Rhea versus Bianca. Um, that that's just a personal preference. Yeah. But, you know, sorry to cut you off, <laughs> but I think as much as we love to think about the surprise entrances over the years of, hey, look who's back for a one-off in the Rumble, it's used at its best when it's actually trying to build towards WrestleMania. Right. Agreed. When the sto- when you are able to take stories that happened at some point during the Rumble and carry that over to television in the weeks that follow and build to WrestleMania Agreed. matches. So suddenly you've got a three-month build and you were able to take one match and get like five stories out of it. Yeah. And I think what's so indicative of the idea that Triple H is behind all of the booking right now is that I can name you about 10 matches for WrestleMania right now. Yeah. Based purely on what we saw at the Rumble, yeah. there's a couple of reports out there of what may or may not happen, but none of this feels like a stretch. So let yeah. me give you this card right now. Right, and tell me what go. you think. Roman versus Cody is being advertised, and mm-hmm. we can talk about the whole Samminess of this in a minute. Charlotte versus Ripley. I think it should have been Charlotte. It should have been Charlotte versus whomever and Rhea versus Bianca, because that's a feud that for whatever reason, they have not crossed paths since NXT. And I felt like you were keeping them apart deliberately so that you could have this monster heel that's been built up over the past year in the Judgment Day and a woman who was effectively the John Cena of your division. She's going on a year as Raw Women's Champion right now. And could be going for her third consecutive show stealing WrestleMania match. Yeah. I think we still might get that because I think now that you look at that chamber and who's in the lineup, Asuka's got the Kana face paint now yeah. and she's an evil murder clown and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's where we're going yeah. with that third one. Finn Balor versus Edge inside Hell in a Cell. That's the report. Yeah. They're obviously picking that right up where they left yeah. off. Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. It will be better than it has any right to be, but that's because a Seth is Mm -hmm. one of the best in the world. And Logan's going to have Shawn Michaels walking him step-by-step through the match a month in advance. Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre. This report dropped this week. Holy crap. That's going to be amazing. Sammy (laughs) and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for the undisputed tag titles. Yeah. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley part three. Yeah, that's going to be good. Austin Theory versus John Cena, if he has the time. If not, Theory versus Johnny Gargano, I got no complaints. Yeah, I'm good with that. And Dominic Mysterio versus Rey Mysterio. Rey needs to take that prison rat son of his and knock some sense into him. It's going to be good. It's a good card. Right there, that's a great card. Yeah. But I think the one conversation folks are having right now, and I'm writing about this coming up here next week on Comic Book, so you guys can read my full thoughts on this, but some people are starting to compare the Sammy situation to Daniel Bryan leading up to WrestleMania 30. Mm. And I don't think those comparisons are necessarily fair. Right. And Sammy himself mentioned this in an interview with Aria Hawaii. Fantastic interview. Sammy doesn't think that there was going to be any sort of backlash like there was with 30 partially because he doesn't think the fans are going to be as ravenous this time. And I think it's for a more distinct reason. And it's that, with the Brian situation, they kept teasing us with him yeah. being world champion. He literally won the belt twice. Yeah. And they kept pulling it off of him and then tried to move him away yeah. and go Randy Orton, Batista yeah. 
for whatever reason. We've seen the don't let whatever WWE was trying to tell you. We've seen the what that car was supposed to be. He yeah. was supposed to be in a nothing US championship match with Sheamus. Yeah. Whereas with Sammy, the story has never been, hey, he needs to win the world championship right. at some point. It's been he needs to find a place where he feels like he belongs. Yeah. The 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 what made him a baby face amongst the bloodline was that we all kind of relate to that story where it's like we just want to find a group yeah. that we can call our own and friends that we feel like actually accept us. Agreed. That's all he wanted out of yes. this. It was never like, oh, I secretly want to be the tribal chief and I secretly want to be world champion. And I I think I could hold this belt, Roman. Don't you think I could? It was never that. It was, hey, I'm friends with Jimmy, but I'm not friends with Jay. And Paul kind of like Paul kind of likes me, but he's going to betray me. And I'm actually going to win over Jay at some point. But Jimmy's going to turn on me. And Solo's over here being like, mm. and Roman <laughs> loves me, but it very is obviously a tenuous relationship. And I think having him pivot from whatever they do at Elimination Chamber, which I do think is a one-on-one -on -one match. Yeah. And I think the Montreal crowd is going to be behind him, but he's not going to win because I think Jay, after this little tease this past week, yeah, I think he is going to turn back, realign himself with Jimmy, and Sammy and KO are going to reunite. And it's going to be the best friends going up against the brothers yeah. and finally ending that historic tag title. Right. And I don't think anybody's going to be like, man, Sammy should be in the main event. He should be in a triple threat. It should be him. Screw Cody. No, people want Cody to win. And it's, you know, I don't think what's happening with Sammy is necessarily going to pull away from what they try to do with Cody. Yeah. I agree. And I think that's, that's the important distinction is that with the Re WrestleMania 30, everyone and their mother wanted Daniels, Brian, I keep, I, I'm so stuck on Brian Daniels <laughs> because I called him. I called him Daniel at the press conference after he showed up at AEW and he was like, Daniel. And I'm like, never again. <laughs> <laughs> never making that mistake. again. <laughs> but what do you think? Am I, am I way off on this or are they making the right call with this direction? I think, no, I know. I think, uh, I think they're making the right call. I think they're very different situations. And I think you um, pointed out that, they were, it was never about the title with Brian. It was always about the title. And that's why people got mad. And also, you know, Vince just liked to like to poke the bear and mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm not giving you that. And that's to me, just never rarely works out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and here, I think they know what they're doing and they've done it. They really haven't like dropped the ball. And they, every time you think like, oh, this is getting whatever they twist it. And it's, and like the moments, what really sold it was like Owens in the after match beatdown mm -hmm. because like I won't even during before the match was over, like his reaching for Sammy and like all that, boy, that just hits the heartstrings and, and Sammy's played that so well. I just think that's the way to go. Let them be the tag title, like let them be the champs, mm -hmm. let them dethrone the Usos. Sammy's the one that puts the first dent in the bloodlines reign over anything, right? Cause that's been the big thing. They've held gold for so long and you're the first one that really hits them and delivers that chink in the armor, right? Mm -hmm. Now you don't have, th you know, four titles, right? You only have two. And now Roman's in the crosshairs of Rhodes, right? So it, it adds even more pressure to that. I think that's the way to go. And I don't think they'll get the, the backlash. I think they've handled it really well to this point. The and only backlash I'm going to give them is if Cody wins the titles and they don't split them up immediately because good Lord does Monday night Raw need a world champion that shows up. Every <laughs> I will say it's done wonders for the U S title. 
it's made it important. I got to give him credit for that. But yes, I agree. It's made it important simply on the basis that the guys like Seth and Bobby have nothing to wrestle for otherwise. So when they say it's the most prestigious title on Monday Night Raw, it is the only title on Monday Night Raw. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. So give me a break. That's true. That's true. I, I, it is a situation that was forced out of necessity, but I will say they've, they've done wonders and they've actually used it to build up that title. That title feels like a big deal now. Mm -hmm. And whenever they get the titles back, I want them to continue to push that title as like, cause now they've done, like they've built it. Mm-hmm. So now keep it. What well, always I, happens is we get those titles and then you, they fall. If you need proof of that, look at the intercontinental championship. Yeah, exactly. Well, all this stuff with Roman mm-hmm. is happening. Gunther's having a banner freaking yeah. year with the title. Yeah. And so many great matches have happened for that title. And you have thought they do a good job of like some, you, you know, like he ain't winning. Also but others are just Gun- you know, Gunther, Cody, SummerSlam. Tell me you don't want to see that. Be a fantastic match. Yeah. Now I'm also on the, uh, I know we got to go, but I'm also one that says um, I am happy for the Charlotte thing because Bianca and Rhea don't need titles. They do not need titles to, to go at each other. Rhea will be, cause you got to remember Rhea is a, she's a heel, mm-hmm. but she's a loved heel. Bianca is like Teflon babyface. Does not need a, a that rivalry has fans have been waiting for that for so long. I don't think it needs to be surrounded around a title. If you want to, great. But I don't think it needs a title. What I do think Rhea needs is Rhea has come so far. If people are behind her, it is time to put the Charlotte Monkey. They're, they're trying off to, the back. They're trying to make good on the mistakes with WrestleMania. And, and I think that's the right way to go because Charlotte somehow she's even surprised came back as a face. Now I know a lot of that has to do with Rhonda, but that like has even surprised her of like, and I've watched SmackDown since, right? Mm-hmm. Like that reception is still there. They like her as a face. We'll see how long that lasts, but why not take advantage of it? You're going to actually elicit the people who are like very much invested in Charlotte as a face right now are just going to like feel more that way. It's going to, you can then move her over to raw. It's not going to last because every it, it attempt they've to made to make Charlotte a face. It doesn't have to last though. Flaw, falls flat. I know, but it doesn't have to last because Bianca only needs Bianca has said her, one of her dream WrestleMania matches is Charlotte. Sure. And that's the last horsewoman she has to beat before she completes all four. And that feud doesn't need a title either. You can, if, if Bianca has the title, you can absolutely run that. Charlotte See, wants gold. The again. problem is you're like, they don't need titles. You've got Charlotte who is a yeah. magnet for a championship. Right. Like they don't seem to know how to book her without a title. I agree. But and Bianca is John Cena, right? Right. Now, but they it's always going to be around. If the title is not there though, that storyline doesn't suffer. No, you can still tell that story. And she can like, the whole thing is like, I'm going to claim all four. Right. So Rhea then has the title that she should have never freaking lost. Like that whole thing was trash. Mm-hmm. So I think those storylines are compelling on their own. You get to move Rhea into a true next chapter, however you want to book her face or heel or whatever. And then Charlotte can move on to do whatever she wants to do. She's shown that she can bounce back from a face turn to a heel very quickly. Mm-hmm. She can do it in a matter of like, she's a flare. It's an art form at this point. Yeah. So even if this doesn't last, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can still move her over into another. And then you have your long-term feud between those two. I think I'm excited. Plus people don't remember that match ruled. 
Rhea versus Charlotte at it was, WrestleMania. It was, in pan, it was still, it was at the start of the pandemic. Right. So it was very much hurt by the, there was no noise. Right. There was no noise, but their match was great. And so I'm excited to see that on a proper stage, have them actually be in front of a crowd and people get to see what those two can do. For so sure. I'm excited for that. Well, I know we ran over time, here, but I had some thoughts <laughs> and I was going to get my money's worth. Before y'all get out, I had a- we're going to go here. Of course, you can find our full proper show uh, over on the Comic Book Nation YouTube channel. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the places you listen to your podcast. Uh, make sure to check here and let us know in on our Twitter feeds and comments what you think, what you want, your matches that you want for WrestleMania. And uh, we'll be back next time. Peace. Later.